0: That's dead, bears! Bears! <laughs> Chill out a little bit! Scotch. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 30. What year is it? <laughs> <laughs> what episode Seven. is
1: it? It's 37. 37, 37. I'm pretty sure. Copy oh, Butter butterscotch. Good job,
0: Seth. The Game Dev Comedy Podcast: Butterscotch Shenanigans. Hey. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I make the
1: internet tubes all luby and flowful.
0: I'm Sam, and I make. <sighs> and today is February second, <laughs> two thousand sixteen. Is that right? I don't know. Sure, I don't know. We're, we're going. February. We're going ballpark on this one. And uh, before we get started, just bear in mind that. We are three adults, and we might talk about adult things and use adult words, like swears and beer. Yeah. So if you are <laughs> like swears and beer, so if you're a child or a chid or a kid or a <laughs> child, swears and beer, huh? Then uh, get out, get out, and just go out into the fresh air of nature and stop listening to this podcast. <laughs> all right. So first of all, happy February, guys. Yeah, yeah, month. February is a good month. Valentine's Day is coming up. Remember, mm-hmm. if all you do for Valentine's Day is buy each other flowers, then you're not thinking about it, and you should feel bad. That's true. So I was actually thinking about, you know how there's now boxes of, those stupid boxes of chocolates everywhere? Wait, yeah. How, and that's the Valentine's I'm, I'm a little confused by
1: how you put stupid and chocolate. In no, no. The no, sentence. hear me out.
0: Hear me okay. out. You better, you got some explaining I got, I'm to going a. <laughs> am going to, I'm going to place with this. Boxes of chocolates are the worst thing you can buy for somebody when it comes to romance because every chocolate in there is different. It's as if you are saying, I have no idea what you like, so I just got you a bunch of crap in a box. Some yeah. of these have coconut in them. Some of them have strawberry. Some, some are of them have filled with toothpaste. Yeah, yeah what you're I don't like, know. It's not
1: even that. It's actually worse than that. I think I think I can get on board with this because what you're really doing is setting up a set of booby traps,
0: Right. right. Yeah. Some of, like, one of them gift, is good.
1: Yeah. Where there's like, I mean, my own experience, like, and I like most things, nearly everything, but still my own experience with, with those mixed chocolate boxes is oh. that roughly one third of them are things that want to make me vomit.
0: I think they put garbage inside some of them. Yeah. Just to so. see what happens. Shards of glass. Yeah. There's shards of glass. In those them, but, would you know, probably
1: be better than some of the ones I've eaten if they were. Yeah.
0: But it's my understanding that, you know, romance is all about like deeply knowing a person and then, like, going out of your way to surprise them and sort of, like, using that knowledge. Like no, if I some, don't know. You know.
1: I mean, from what I've seen from romantic comedies and things, I think it's about stalking a person
0: in really creepy ways. Oh, you're just thinking of The Notebook. Yeah, I mean, th- there, is that el- there is that element to romance for sure. Yeah, I mean, that, that's um, what the
1: media has taught me. But, yeah,
0: the, the box life. of chocolates, man, that's the worst. At, at the very least, just buy somebody a bag of Cadbury mini-eggs. Fuck yeah! You know those are good. That
1: I will be your Valentine better. in yeah. that situation.
0: Exactly. Uh, so what's happening on on the news front? I don't know. How you guys? How you guys doing? It's we're now a week and a half ish post launch. How yeah. you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling? I'm feeling. I'm pretty good. I'm I'm okay. You know? I'm pretty good. Okay. Pretty good. I'm so, there, okay. so there's this thing that I think. There's this thing I think we should talk about. Let's talk about it. It's it's a thing that we don't know what to call it, but for the sake of this. I think for this podcast, we'll call it post project depression. And it's a, it's a thing that sets in where if you've been working on a big project, like a game or an art project or a book, or perhaps crafting a baby in your womb, making an actual human. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's this thing that happens where your whole life starts to revolve around a particular project. Moment in the future. So having the baby, publishing the book, launching the game, whatever it is. And, uh, you're sort of like your, all your pastimes and your identity and all your free time starts to revolve around getting up to that moment. And then once that moment comes, then there's this big void in your life where now all of a sudden you're not working toward that thing anymore. And you've put so much of yourself into that that, now you don't know what to do mm-hmm. with yourself and then you just get real sad for a while <laughs> also cuz you you know you stop doing your other hobbies and like various side projects
1: you forget for, how to do other things
0: you, yeah. yeah you stopped bathing you you, you lost like, all your friends yeah you gained like 80 pounds or so and you then know? you lost 90 pounds yeah well, yeah, you gained it's,
1: eighty pounds of fat and lost ninety pounds of muscle. At least that's been yeah. My experience.
0: So it's it's a net loss. Yeah. N- I've of become 10
1: just fat on top,
0: <laughs> to <laughs> just, just just. I don't, like, I don't look any just different. long strands of fat connecting <laughs> yeah, I, the bones together. Yeah, I don't
1: look any different at all, but I'm much softer. If you like, poke me. I was
0: wondering why. So when we when I picked Adam up from the airport, I gave him a hug, and he just kind of like squooshed. It was a. It made a weird noise.
1: Basically, the parts that weren't being hugged were just then spilling out over.
0: Yeah, it was real yeah. gross, but I didn't yeah. want to say anything about. Good it. Good old Adam, fatty bones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you go any further, Adam, your bones will become fat, and then I don't know I what. Think,
1: I think we're on the way, but then You'll I can be actually use jelly my arms
0: as tentacles. Well, I think getting back, getting away from the uh, tentacle arms. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you'd want to do that, but Post-Project Depression piece. Go Um, on. I think think it's something that people don't really talk about too much, and there's been a few indies who, after having some measure of success, which is, uh, I guess, the two blogs that we read the other day were by the guy who made The Stanley Parable and the guy who made Thomas Was Alone, and both of them Mm -hmm. talk about, very briefly, the consequences of success in both their cases. And I think what people tend to not understand is that either in success or failure, what you end up facing is, is actually a large change. And if you don't really think about it beforehand, you're going to be just woefully unprepared. And I think it's generally what the post-project depression kind of comes in on. It's, it's, uh, it's about, like you said, so there's a huge void that appears. And then the question is, have you thought about what the hell you're going to do with that void before it actually hits you? Because that's kind of the important part. And if you don't, then you're going to get sort of sucked into it. But if you say, okay, you know, once this game comes out, I'm going to start, I'm going to get back to the gym and I'm going to read this book that's been on the back burner. And this sort of this, you kind of cobble together enough of a covering that the void, you know, you don't see. (laughs) You just jam a few things into the hole. Yeah, you just shove it in there and then you're like, okay, this is good enough I got this filled. Let's do this. Yeah. And uh, people don't actually talk about it. And I think there's, there's a lot of weird stuff with regards to like finally... Finally, completing a really big project that ends up being an achievement of sorts, and then being able to talk about how weirdly hard it is afterwards because it feels like you shouldn't talk about things being hard after you've just done something, yeah, well, it, well, people think you know people are like, "Oh, you just made a really cool thing, you don't really get to be sad now, right, <laughs> but, but it's like like if you worked on a game for say five years and you put it out there and it's wildly successful. People look at the fact that you have this successful thing out there, but they forget about the fact that you now have nothing to look forward to, which is actually a lot more important than like having a successful thing. The only thing you have to look forward to is death at this point, you know? Yeah. Now your life is meaningless and you're just going to (laughs) die. So, yeah, uh, I I think it's a good (laughs) skill to be able to constantly keep, you know, giving yourself new Challenges and new things to do, and just like as soon as you're done with a thing, to move on.
1: This is a problem with the and I think this is particularly true of of indie studios, and including ourselves in the past. Is so much of the focus is on a game, and, and the studio actually often defines itself by a game. And of course, the public does too, because when you make a successful game, then now you're the guys who made the Stanley Parable, as Sam just said earlier, right? You you aren't ex development studio or ex human being. You're the person who made that thing, and so the public sees you that way. But if but if you also see yourself that way, yeah, now you got a problem. Then you've got a problem because now you got to one up yourself. Yeah, you've got to one up yourself. And, and we actually, you know, we had this discussion yesterday, as you guys mm-hmm. probably recall. Where we I don't were remember, like, it, but. Where we were like, what next? Because you know, on the one hand, we can say, well, let's try to keep on building a more amazing, bigger thing every time we put a game out. But like, who the fuck wants that kind of pressure? You know? A lot of pressure, guys. The And the fact that we have tried to switch the focus from us. Being the people who made Quadrupus Rampage or the people who made Crashlands to being the studio called Butterscotch Shenanigans that makes those games is I think the thing that's going to let us just kind of blow by this thing.
0: Yeah, so Uh, I think probably our strategy going forward is we're going to just like make two just garbage Pieces yeah, of crap. we want to make the worst games we can. You know, look gotta, expectations. we gotta really like bring it down a notch, <laughs> yeah. so that so that the pressure comes off. Three out of five stars. Maximum. <laughs> <Three>. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're shooting. Yeah, we're shooting for that like two, three out of five star range, and then boom, we'll come right back and and put out another decent. Because that way, you so. guys can be pleasantly surprised about the, the games we make again. Because otherwise, you're just gonna be like, okay, yeah, this is what we expect for Butterscotch Game. It's gotta be yeah. good. Yeah. So that's. I mean that's not really our plan, but you know
1: it it would work. Probably. It might not be know. your plan. Adam's yeah, gonna secretly be looting our. I'm gonna
0: sabotage hat. everything. <laughs> Adam's gonna sabotage it. Yeah, but I think it's it's a, it's an important piece to talk about. And I mean, if if we're generally curious about how people deal with this particular aspect, so if you've completed a big project in the past, even something like a big you know school project or anything like that, where it took just a lot of time uh, and then was done on a sort of eventful sort of way and changed how things were going to go forward, uh, feel free to hit us with a tweet telling us how you dealt with it. Cause we're genuinely curious uh, about how everybody else is, is handling these things.
1: Uh, if you want more space to talk about it, you can also pop into our forums. which are mostly closed, but the podcast section is open. You can go post there um, at forums.bscotch.net. And you can and tell us. About, I mean, this is, this is a problem that Sam and Seth definitely really had to deal with before I was even around I felt it a little bit when we launched Flop Rocket, but that whole thing was such a weird situation where we kind of accidentally launched it. Then we were at GDC when it launched. It was just very the, the whole everything around it was so weird that I never had to quite.
0: Put it was yeah. it was odd. Yeah. Was really
1: yeah, odd. and then since then, because we've turned the focus around so hard onto focusing on the studio, then. I think I might be able to kind of breeze through the this whole post project depression thing without any trouble because for me the project is butterscotch shenanigans which never ends.
0: Right. I think I think you're right that, that taking that focus and then also I think it helps so much that there's actually 3 of us. Like being a being a solo dev would honestly oh. be so fucking hard when it comes to this sort of yeah problem. mad respect to the people who can pull that off yeah, yeah. jesus also uh, and, if you're and successful
1: and you're a solo dev you should hire at least one support staff
0: and yeah. a therapist and a therapist <laughs> yeah it's rough yeah but i mean we've so far i think we're we're kind of staving this off because we've got the creator patch coming up um we just deployed a bug fix patch so we of course, as as somebody put it, uh one of our one of our players put it, uh, you know, you can have five hundred testers play for one day or wait, what was it?
1: No, it was one, you can have one tester play for five hundred days, or five hundred testers play for one day each, and those five hundred yes. testers are gonna find way more problems than the one person. That was
0: the that was the phrase. Yeah.
1: Which is I'm pretty sure they had a shorter version of that phrase than the one I just said.
0: But that has come true. For sure. We've, yeah. We have put out, uh, I think, about two and a half pages worth of patch notes for bug fixes. Um, then a couple smaller follow-up ones. And we got one more coming down the pipe. Hopefully, that'll fix all of the sort of remaining problems. Yeah. Uh, then we're going to take a breather, I think. Yeah. Maybe Sl- slow down for a couple days and then uh, start working on the quality of life patch for Crashlands. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we're going to hit GDC, which is... The Early Game Developers
1: March. Conference yeah. in San Francisco. Yeah,
0: so for those who aren't too familiar with it, it's uh, it's I think there's something like thirty thousand game developers go to this. It's thing. crazy. It's, well,
1: game developers and people associated with game development.
0: Yeah, there's there's press. There's uh, people who work, say, at you know Valve and you know the app store google play playstation it's
1: like everything you people who want to get into games but haven't quite gotten there yet who want to meet people and yeah which is you know where we
0: were a couple couple years like the first first time we went was two years ago
1: well last Um, year was the first time that people knew that anybody knew who we were
0: yeah which was just by chance because we we had we'd launched flop rocket that same week and so it was the thing on the app store, so I mean, had it
1: been two weeks later, everybody would have already forgotten about Flock. Yeah, nobody would have. <laughs> <laughs> so that yeah, it's, it
0: it's was a short really, short term memory.
1: Yeah, weirdly good timing on that
0: one. Yeah, so that's that was good, but yeah, so there's also a bunch of talks and and just different things for game devs to learn, and it's always really cool to go and and hear from you know people with a lot more experience and and different backgrounds and everything. Uh, so we'll be doing that. And also if if you are listening to this and if you're going to GDC, if you are you know a streamer, a YouTuber, you know one of the press or another game dev or whatever, uh, shoot us a, shoot us a tweet or an email or something and we'll we'll see if we can set up a meeting and just we'll like
1: pencil you in we, we've got a we've got a big document that we're putting in all of our meetings with people.
0: Yeah, so essentially our meetings are basically gonna to amount to us. Saying hello. Saying hello, sitting down, drinking a bunch of beer, and then continuing to drink beer. Also,
1: profanity to bring it back full circle to the beginning of the episode. Yeah,
0: meetings should just be like that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we don't really have an agenda. Like, we just like to meet people and chat and and just hear about—it's really interesting to hear about the perspectives of other people in the game dev industry, not just developers, but also people on the press side— and people who work, you know, at say, you know, Sony, who work for PlayStation, and kind of like their take on on how things work. Uh, I don't know. It's really fascinating. Well, to
1: me in particular, actually, it's it's the the YouTuber movement because that's it feels like such a new thing, but it's clearly so powerful and is in a lot of where thinking about just the games ecosystem and the press ecosystem around games. So much of it is moving towards streamers and YouTubers. But I feel like I don't know anything about that. (laughs) Like, in about... You know, because... Well, we've been just like a... any other market, uh, they they have their own market. They have the, they're competing with each other. They rely on people who make games, but they also rely on other forms of gaming press. And they have a different kind of relationship with their fans than say game developers or written press do. Sure. And so I'd be, I mean, I'm I'm really curious to sit down with a few big YouTubers who are turning that into an actual living. It'd and be just, like, what? Yeah, just be like, how the fuck does this? How does this work? even go? What are you doing?
0: Yeah, I bet it's really hard. It, like, I, I mean, bet it's it insanely must be difficult. Hard. Yeah.
1: I mean, it has to be. It's it's one of those things, you know, we hear people say, it's kind of like when people say, oh, game development must be so much fun to get to play games all day. It's like, no, it's not what fucking happens,
0: right? That's, I imagine what, that that that's what being a YouTuber, YouTuber is. But yeah, but <laughs> right. but you're really, like, you're not really playing games all day as a YouTuber. You're probably playing games for part of the day, editing for the rest of the day, and then trying to fight off trolls on your comment <laughs> sections for the rest <laughs> of
1: the day. I mean, no, but
0: even even when you're playing games, though, you're playing the game as an entertainer.
1: So, I mean. Yeah, you don't get to chill out. You don't get to relax. No. We, and we get a lot of requests with, with Crashlands. We've had so many requests from little tiny YouTube channels and, and Twitch streamers. And and Sam has looked into most of them just to see get a sense of what the stream or the the channel was about. And I've looked into a bunch. And basically, there are two kinds of people doing it. They're the ones who just literally video themselves playing a game, and that's the end of it. And those ones, will, those are not gonna. If you're doing that, you need to look at what these other people are doing. Who are step it ones. up, step it up. Because what they're doing is they're not selling the gameplay. They're selling themselves. They're selling you know their personality and their what they're bringing to the game that they're actually playing. Right. So they don't get to just play games. They have to just put on no matter how shitty their day was (laughs) they got to put on a ridiculous (laughs) personality mask and they got to go act you know yeah Yeah. they got to do it every day
0: every day yeah they have to
1: put out they have to put out what i don't know four videos a day in order for that to be financially
0: successful Mm -hmm. well and if you compare that to something like so think about say like the daily show as an example of like a tv show yeah there's a team of writers who orchestrates everything puts together the content and yeah i mean throughout the day they're running through it and everything they have thirty minutes, well, actually twenty-two minutes that they're live on air, uh, and that's that's it. That's that, that's the extent of them being entertainers is that twenty-two minute chunk. Yeah. Uh, but for man, for a let's player, for a YouTuber, it's like well, the stream yeah, what, the or five one, hours a day. Yeah, the streamers huh. one is the one that gets me because like we so we've done some game dev streaming before. And that shit stresses me out. Like, I get so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing is, I'm not even doing anything different than usual. Even if I'm just silently making art in Inkscape, for some reason, after about half an hour, I'm like, I need to turn this off and take a nap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's something about it's like
1: feeling those eyes Yeah, like watching,
0: checking yeah. your checking your speech and your your reg, like regulating yourself actually costs a lot of energy. Yeah, yeah it does take a special it takes a special skill set and and talent set I think to be able to maintain that. Yeah.
1: So anyway, I'm yeah, I would love to if you're a, if you're a big YouTuber who's like got this shit figured out, I would love to talk to you and just Understand that ecosystem that you live in, because it's just yeah. We so don't even
0: time. care if you like, you know, even if you don't want to play our games, whatever. Yeah, no, you can hate know, our. We games, just want to. Yeah, I just want to hear like about. A, <laughs> yeah, I just want to hear about how that world works, and you
1: know, and we can talk about what we know about how our, our world works. You know, because in the end, you know, all these different things, and I, I know it seems to a lot of us, of uh, new developers and even ones who've just published a game that there's a sort of like us versus the press kind of situation where you're just like begging them to review your game and then you're pissed when they give you a shitty review and that sort of thing. But the fact is that we all completely depend on each other. It really is an ecosystem mm-hmm. of, of, you know, of codependence. Um, so it's important just to understand the other, the other side's, troubles and point of view and in the market that they actually work and live in
0: well let's talk about let's talk about some of the games that we're playing speaking of reviewing games let's do <laughs> it uh, so we have a we have a segment in coffee with butterscotch called here's some games we're playing let's talk about that Seth, <laughs> <So, laughs> I, mean, so, I, I think <laughs> that's our music <laughs> for the segment
1: i think what you need to try to do is every time you announce the segment try to make the title a little bit longer
0: all right next time next week we're going Two, possibly three more words on that yeah, title. Let's just,
1: let's just keep doing that until we can make it a fucking. But,
0: brace yourselves, get your pants off because it's gonna get it's gonna get crazy. And you're gonna next need your week. pants off. Yeah, you just need you to get, have your pants you off. You gotta keep that. your pants off for the aerodynamics <laughs> of what's about to go down of the world uh, storm. So i've uh, I've been poking around with a number of games. I I spent last week finally going through and getting a bunch of mobile games. Dead. What are those? Right. That I haven't been playing because I'm generally not interested in what you would consider to be a mobile game. Uh, so I decided to finally jump into it, and the first one that I hit was Monument Valley, which has yeah. been out for like a year and a half or two. Yeah, you're a little behind the times on this, Seth. yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, I have to say though, holy hell, that is an impressive game. It's very yeah. cool. Like, so I'm a programmer. I know how programming works. And as I was playing this game, I kept like poking around with things in the puzzle, trying to piece together how it happened, like un- <laughs> under the hood. Yeah. Like how I. How ro- do monument value work? Yeah. Like I would rotate a thing, and suddenly it's in a different plane of existence, and I'm like, "What? Like, yeah. what is the? What's the mechanism by which?" Well, I mean, I think about
1: know. how confusing that is just to, like, think about as, like, looking at a drawing, like an Escher drawing, right?
0: Yeah, and they programmed
1: Programming it. that shit. There's actually, there's yeah. another game that's very similar on PC that's that's significantly older. Do you guys remember that? It's, like, all black and white, kind of, like, oh, sketchy. Yeah. Sketch yeah, yeah. style. It's called, like, Bridge. Yeah. Hmm. Right. Something or other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, same sort of deal. I remember playing that a long time ago where it's all these just mind-bendy puzzles. And that was my thought, too, the whole time I was playing that was how in the fuck did somebody
0: design and then program that? I mean, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put this out there. I don't think they programmed it. I think they probably sacrificed animals. Probably did a <laughs> satanic ritual. I don't know what they did, but there, there is not legitimate programming behind yeah, that. Yeah, I think you're right. I <laughs> think it's gotta it, be it definitely
1: required some sort of demon or witch involvement. Well, my yeah, but, my favorite yeah.
0: part of it though is that you know that whoever was coming up for the levels for this thing was uh, insane. Well, they, they the crazy <laughs> thing is like you eventually start thinking in terms of the me- like the mechanics that are available to you oh, right? yeah. like all of us have had this when we've done level yeah, design true. for a while right. and so you like think about how their brain probably started working after i don't know 5 or 10 of these things because I mean, and you see what happens like as the game progresses the puzzles get more nuts yeah. and I think the only way to have that actually happen and, and something that's as weird and complicated as that is to have like one or two people whose job is just to make the puzzles because they're going to start figuring out like they're going to start seeing the world in Monument Valley terms and in then being able Escher. to really, yeah, really take advantage of that in a lot of ways. It's really yeah, cool, oh man. The world must look really, really weird to those people.
1: <laughs> now, Seth, now I have a question, though.
0: Yeah. Is given that you liked
1: you liked the the technical and, and uh, design aspects of this game. What do you think about all these people who were complaining about the cost versus the the time, like the amount of time that it, t- it takes to play and complete the game.
0: So I think anybody who talks about duration of gameplay versus cost is wrong. I yeah. think I think that's a crazy way to look at games in particular because games are one of the like dollars per hour games are already one of the cheapest forms of entertainment you can get fact in part because there's infinite free ones floating around but (laughs) what if you read really really slowly uh, well then apparently the game is worth more to you. I don't know. Well, I mean for books, you know, if you're like a oh, terrible yeah. reader, then every book is just the best deal ever. Yeah, but it's but with games, games are the yeah. Which only, I think Sam, yeah,
1: Sam's just highlighting how stupid of a metric this is. It's,
0: it's stupid. Like, yeah, games yeah. are the only mechanism that people look at when it comes to like dollars per hour of entertainment. You don't. Way, go, you know what I want. I, hmm. I know how to speed read. And because I can read four times faster than most you should get, people, yeah, you should get a get I want a discount. discount.
1: <laughs> Wait, Sam, here's the thing. I, I only soon got 30 Amazon, minutes of reading.
0: Soon Amazon's going to be doing that for you because
1: they're already doing time-based or page-based.
0: It's going to be page-based, cost, though. It's not yeah. going to be time-based. Well, yeah. it's good.
1: I mean, page-based is the next movement. The one after that is
0: going to be time-based. We talked, about it. we talked about this like 20 episodes back. This is coming. Here it is. Yep. Yeah, here it is. Well, well my, my prediction is still that books on Amazon are beco- are going to become free to read with ads between chapters. That's going to happen. That's my and maybe maybe some some you know in-book purchases to like buy the next chapter for 99 cents or something. Mm-hmm. Unlock gonna, audio author commentary. <laughs>
1: Although that <laughs> yeah. would be a pretty cool unlock.
0: That'd be annoying as fuck. If you're trying to read some guys, like on this page, I want to. Yeah, no, <laughs> it would be. But yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> just, just imagine somebody going to a movie and being like, yeah, I mean, it was really good, but I was honestly expecting it to be two and a half hours and it was only two. So, eh, you know, not really. Yeah. Three stars, three, yeah. out of five, whatever, you know, like look at, just look at the content. And when, like when it comes to Monument Valley, I think, uh, yeah, it took me maybe an hour and a half to get through and i think it was four bucks or something mm-hmm. yeah it took me four uh, five minutes to get through which it. by the way way cheaper than a movie mm-hmm. dollars per hour but again dumb metric <laughs> uh it was amazing like it was amazing i think the puzzles were sp- actually like not that hard
1: yeah, yeah as, I mean, a, it was as a thing, as, like, a challenge that you have to rise to, I I'll, I agree. Like, I, I, I didn't find it challenging, but, but man, I found it, was it awesome. amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking
0: amazing. <laughs> so, it, was,
1: it was an experience that was worth having and worth spending a little money on. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh,
0: And then otherwise, I, I... So I've been trying to find good space games. I love the idea of space games. I want to play space games. And, my God, what is the deal with... It's people because, who make space game. It's because, <laughs> God damn it, I we, we've talked about this before, Seth. It's because space is literally a void. Yeah. Yes. There, I mean, okay, I'll, I will grant there you. There is space, nothing in <laughs> space. Like I will grant to you that space is nothing. I yeah. that is true. So what do you mean? Yeah, space game
1: uh, is is literally just you saying a UI game that, that it. It's well, that's what, what it seems to, to
0: come down to. So I, yeah. I downloaded uh, Sins of a Solar Empire. I think it's one of the... Like, who makes that? Do you know who makes that? Uh, I can't remember. By the way, the people it's... who make
1: Monument Valley is... Or the group is called Us 2 T-W-O.
0: Ah. Um, yeah. So I got so I got Sins of a Solar Empire. Very highly rated. Recommended to me by a lot of people. So I decided to jump into it. Yeah. Um, So about 10 o'clock at night, I started playing it and I realized it's a very complicated game because like all space games, it is extremely unnecessarily complicated. So (laughs) I was like, I better go through the tutorial. So I click on the tutorial section and lo and behold, there's just a whole, there's a whole bunch of volumes of tutorials. Um, and each one is presented in almost like textbook format (laughs) where they'll be like, here's what this ship does. Click on it. You click on it. You're like, good job, you clicked on it. Now click over here to make the ship go over there. And you do that, and then it's just it's just like one step after another, and it's almost as if I just was reading a book about every single mundane rule of the game. So I had to put it down. I'll probably need to hit it again this weekend. Like I'll, I'll just brew up a fresh pot of coffee and sit down <laughs> and try to try to get through it. Uh, through the tutorial. and then right, maybe That was how I felt good.
1: about EVE Online when I tried to play that a few months ago. I was just like, it felt like yeah. the tutorial was the most boring novel in the universe in terms of <laughs> duration and content. Yeah, well, I
0: mean, it's, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Our philosophy with tutorials has always been just let people play the game. Period, but as you do it, just add mechanics. So, you know the the core essence of of any game should you know is is kind of boiled down into discrete components. And as the person is playing through the game, you will reveal to them new. New concepts and like new Although ways of playing.
1: We should note that 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 strategy, from a game development side, does mean that there will be reviewers who who play your game and they play it for less time than is required to basically get access to all the cool mechanics that you put in the game because you've designed it to introduce them over time. They're like,
0: "This is so simple, exactly, and, dumb. and then
1: they'll they'll complain about how how trivially easy of a game it is to use because there's only one thing you can do." And it's like, "Well, yeah, because you only played it for twenty minutes." right?
0: Can I just say? So I played XCOM the other mm-hmm. day, not the new mm-hmm. one, but the first one because I, like, no, I haven't played the first one. Everyone's all about XCOMs. So it's like, okay, let's go check this out. <laughs> and uh-huh. I think I so I played for like four hours. And my god, is that one of the slowest paced games that I have <laughs> ever played in my life? And it, I mean, they, so they do a similar thing where they they sort of slowly introduce concepts, which is fine. I'm totally cool with that. But the the glacial pace, which with which with they did so was confusing to me because it wasn't it wasn't like the game was the game didn't feel like it was already sort of full and interesting uh after like 2 hours. I mean they, they weren't putting stuff in sort of fast enough it seemed like to actually uh suggest that I should keep on playing for the next 2 to 6 hours. I don't even know how long the rest of the tutorial goes because goddamn I, I stopped playing. <laughs> so like and I mean it literally it was literally 4 hours in and I was like I am sort of done with this. This is this has been confusingly slow and hmm. Well, Sam,
1: on that note, mm. we should probably talk about that Sunless Sea game. Is that the full name? Yes. Sunless Sea. Because Sam and I, we were talking about this yesterday or something. I I was playing this game about a week ago, and I've I've played it for probably three hours total. Sam's played it for two or three hours, so similar. Mm -hmm. And... And I don't Sam even know really what got it into, is. Seth hasn't played it. Sam really got into it, and I just like I just couldn't really for actually the same reasons that Sam we're talking about right now.
0: Well, just so was something I I had on my list for a while. I had a free weekend last weekend, um, so I, I played it on Sunday for like three hours before the thing expired, and uh, just to check it out. And I so I love a lot of things about what they did in that game, in particular the fact that they like it's a very sort of fresh in my mind uh, game design. Concept because of the fact that yeah. they're
1: Well, we should take a step back and describe the game. Yeah. Like, so what the, is this? What is this game? The, I don't. I know nothing. The
0: idea is that essentially you're in like an under the earth ocean uh called yeah, the it's Sun like, the sea. It's
1: like right. It's like London. It, it's kind of takes place in London, but it's like an underground London because London got fucked is the premise. Yeah. So they London got steampunky.
0: So they built underground upside down like, London on yeah, the bottom, which happens to ground. be
1: in an underground ocean. Basically. Right,
0: with all sorts of weird creatures and islands and that sort of thing. And, yeah, it seems reasonable. But the important mm-hmm. thing is not, not the creatures, actually. It's the fact that there's all these islands that have all these people on them who are doing interesting things. And your job is essentially kind of like a cur- courier slash scout for the London uh, Admiral Agency. And you're essentially going out and figuring out what's going on and then bringing the news back about that. And so the, the major sort of currency in the game is essentially... Stories from these different islands and pieces of news, which is yeah, really cool. So it's like, cool a, it's
1: like almost a hundred percent text-based kind of. Yeah, it's beautiful graphics and like a really good-looking game. But your core interaction with the game is is basically reading stories,
0: right? And it got so it won a bunch of awards, a bunch of awards for narrative stuff too, which I should, I should. Yeah, mention. and
1: the stories are the stories are great and they're fun, mm-hmm. definitely.
0: And I so I liked it a lot because they essentially took. They just asked the question, it reminds me of what we did when we made uh, Do You Even Lift, which is our elevator simulator uh, for that game jam, because they that was, that was when we asked ourselves the question, uh, what would it be like to make a game that's an elevator sim? And then we just did it and made it fun. And they essentially did a similar thing where they said, what would it be like to actually be the captain of a ship in this sort of weirdly... Like in a sense, post apocalyptic, right? Uh, yeah. in kind of creepy scenario. And developed all these systems with, you know, your officers, with food, with fear, uh, weapon systems, all these things, and then really bundled it all together around this extremely strong uh, narrative chain. And the weirdest thing to me was the, the choice to do it in a roguelike fashion. Yeah. But that was basically uh,
1: the problem that that I've been having with
0: it. Well, my my biggest problem is actually not necessarily that, but just the fact that so you have to drive your boat from island it's a, it's to a island.
1: survival game for sure yeah it is a
0: survival game i mean you're like you have to drive your boat and you're constantly running out of food and fuel yeah, and it's fast the thing that bothered me about it was actually just that i had to drive my boat weirdly because the meat but in the potatoes of the game maybe i just didn't get far enough into it you know as we've been talking about but the meat and the potatoes of the game is actually in these narrative bits and i found my every interaction i had once i got to an island which would be you know, a few minutes of driving my boat around um Every interaction I had was, was cool and revealed some interesting stuff about the world, but I was left with this weird feeling at the end where I was like, this could have just been, they could have just taken out the boat driving part, honestly. And I would have been, <laughs> like, I would have loved the shit out of it still. Like, I probably yeah. more actually, because when you have to, you have to, like, turn your ship back and go to, del- like, all the news you picked up while you were out exploring, you essentially don't get anything for it until you turn back and drive so, your ass back to wait London. wait a minute.
1: It's the same problem we talked about with like Fallout 4 in the past, right? Which is that there's an adventuring component and a crafting component in, in Fallout 4. And they actually interfere with each other. Yes. And to me, I totally agree that in Sunless Sea, the sort of the boat driving and, and there's a little bit of boat combat, right? You can fire upon other boats and creatures that live in the water. And and there's an adventuring part because you're, you're driving out to adventure. To find these stories and stuff but because you effectively become overburdened it's you know same concept only here you run out of fuel but same idea so you have to go back all mm. of a sudden your adventuring is cut short just over and over and over again mm-hmm. so you end up spending a lot of time trying to decide like do i have enough fuel to go do the next interesting thing or do i have to go back through this bleak territory i've already discovered as fast as i can to get back to a place that is my home base that I know all about so that I can turn all this shit in to get some more fuel. Right.
0: So why do you, why do you think the boat driving part is in there? I'm, I mean, I think, I think cause you can't sell a pure story game. Yeah. I honestly think like, if it was a text based adventure, I, which it actually is honestly, it's a text based adventure with a boat piloting simulator. With boat <laughs> interludes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Interesting. I, I just, okay. I, I think Adam's completely right where it's just as far as marketability. Uh, I think you have to not make text-based adventures nowadays. Um, but it is
1: true, though. That, I mean the the graphical style that you use oh, it's is neat, fucking beautiful. Yeah, the that, whole thing's
0: super neat. Yeah, but so, like, so, the actual gameplay is just bleh when it comes to those those. Yeah,
1: like I like the like honestly, if the boat was about fifty percent faster, I think I would love the shit out of this game. <laughs> yeah, because uh, it's just like you spend just so much time. Being a boat, anything, being in a boat, you know, being a boat, and, and, yeah. and yeah, like while well, it is definitely true that it, it requires a certain mood, right? You got to go into it thinking, I want to look at pretty things and kind of be in the somber creepiness of of the moment, like the, the sun, the sea, yeah, and and they do a really good job because like there's a fog that you drive through, there's sort of an insanity meter. Um, mechanic right all that good stuff and they do a pretty good job of making you feel creeped out thing. i think They're a little creeped, creeped out,
0: out. Yeah. is this is this the thing like do, do all survival games need to have insanity also <laughs> as a as a component is that just like a stock part of survival games i think
1: it's just a subset um
0: hmm. I, I think the thing is like we don't we don't none of
1: us like survival games so we don't really play any of them but the i think the biggest ones though are things like Ark and uh what is that what is that one by the gary's mod guy rust Rust, right? Those ones don't have anything like that at all. True, they, they may true. have hunger mechanics. I'm not totally sure, um, but those ones are mostly about you competing with the environment with other players. Um, I think when it's a single player game, you kind of need. I think maybe maybe it's that you need a few more ways to to limit a person's lifetime. I guess if it's if you you need more ways to kill game. them, right? Yeah, and so if it's if it's just hunger. And that's the only thing that you're that you're fighting against, then maybe it's maybe that's just not as interesting well. yeah, so I guess I guess it's
0: also part of sort of pulling the in a survival game you want to make the player feel like they're being pulled in too many directions.
1: Yeah. And survival so, games tend to be dark because you don't have survival games, even though people keep on calling Crashlands a survival game, for example, and it is totally not, because you can't have a survival <laughs> game that's like really
0: peppy and fun. And survival is absolutely none of the components yeah, of game mechanics. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because because survival itself is like that's a thing that's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. That's kind of its whole goal, is to make you feel on edge the entire time that you're that you're playing the game. So they're kind of at odds with each other. So that's probably why insanity comes in, because survival as a as a mechanic probably just tends towards the dark. Yeah. And well, if guess, you want to make something more interesting, then insanity is a known mechanic that then you can add to, to it to make it. More but I
0: think also, I mean, so with regards to sun and the Sea, it's one of those things where I I would have I think I would have really loved that game without the survival elements. I mean, it, maybe it's the same way that we talk about like "Don't Starve" versus a Crashland sort of idea, where you take the same idea but remove remove the the uh, darkness from it, as far as the constant constant sense of stress, and just let people go explore. Because I mean, I I genuinely want to read all the stories. I just don't want to drive my boat around and have my cast <laughs> and have my crew eating each other while I try to do it. You know?
1: Well, and even if they're doing that, that's fine. But the problem is then. Because I put in a good – like when I finally started sort of figuring it out, then I – my last run was two of the three hours of playtime that I've, that I've put into the thing. And so I had this two-hour run, which isn't a huge amount of time, but like I read all these stories and actually almost all the stories that I read were the same ones I'd read in previous runs because mm. – though there's randomization
0: there's only so much stuff in the, there's only in the so
1: much stuff there's only so much randomization and so then i was like fuck i have to read the same stories over again before i can like figure out this game enough and get far enough cuz you still have to you still have to get through those to get enough fuel basically to right. go further and so basically what they did is they, is they made they took a story game where you have to now repeat the stories over and over again and every time you repeat it there's a probability that you get to see some new story right which just hmm. fuck, man! Like I don't want to. I don't want <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't, don't want to read the first chapter of a novel ten times in a row, and then flip a coin and be like, "Okay, good. Now I get to read the next chapter." Right?
0: Yep, yeah, that's like, fair. That's that's, that's, a a f- that's a fair criticism, I think. <laughs> right. But I love. I love all the systems. I just want to say all the systems. Yeah, no, like, like, about, like the, the game is beautiful. Stuff, yeah, cool. I, like I think
1: people. I think. I think it's absolutely worth buying and playing because it's a well-crafted game. It's beautiful. It's really interesting, and I think there, without a doubt, a lot of people, especially people who are interested in narrative games, will get a huge kick out of it. And If you're interested in survival games,
0: yeah, you'll also get a kick huge
1: out. kick out of it. Um, and even if you're not in either of those, just as a as a game design and this overall sort of thing, it's a totally unique, awesome thing. Yeah. And is worth you spending time and experiencing because it's it's a cool experience. Like I, I wouldn't take back the experience I had with it.
0: Well, this is actually why. So we you know we talked earlier about what's next for Butterscotch and avoiding the the pitfalls that a lot of studios fall into after some success, which is they sort of can't go do whatever they want afterwards, or they don't feel capable of doing that. And it's actually the uh, Sea was brought up yesterday when we were chatting about just a, a game that took a very cool like design stance on on a particular you know thing which is the sort of boating essentially and made it like really fun and interesting to interact with and this actually brought up the possibility of us turning do you even lift into an actual full game because that game is an elevator simulator and yeah it's super weird it would just be so damn fun to like (laughs) blow that out and like you know it'd take us two or three months to build like a really crazy version of that that had all sorts of other systems that we haven't even thought of yet because we built it in 48 hours to start with and so it's i think it 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 also it arrived at a good time i think also for just for us to to kind of be thinking about something in that in that vein. Yes, yeah, so who knows what's coming next?
1: Who knows? I think this is a good time to say too though that uh, we we've been dealing with reviews of our own game and here we are sort of giving reviews of other people's games. <laughs> and it's uh it's important to just for i think it's just to put out there that you know, one person's experience of the game is going to be so different from somebody else's because you bring your own stuff to the to the experience that you should never take someone's review as, like, how you should think about the game.
0: Yeah, for just, sure.
1: Just want to throw that Especially out Especially
0: if that person starts the review with, I'm not really into this kind of game, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which we just... Which is, just to, to recap, we just
1: said, none of us like survival games, and we just described uh, a really amazing, actually, survival game, but with the end result that we kind of don't like it, right? So you should maybe kind of ignore the, <laughs> yeah. the negative parts of what we said. This is something that, that kind of I
0: think is is this is this peculiar to games because I never no way. see no no just just hear me out okay, I never see out. a professional film critic. Go. I'm not really into romantic comedies, but here we go. I'm, <laughs> right. gonna, I'm gonna watch this and tell you what I think about it. Right. Like that doesn't really happen, but for yeah. some well, reason, well, I, I think I think we we try to do a fair job of saying of admitting that we don't
1: like a certain kind of aspect of a game, like a survival aspect or whatever. But we try to bring it back to like why it does or doesn't work as a game mechanic itself. But it definitely is the case that that we read lots of reviews for other games and our games that basically just start off with the premise. I don't like this kind of game. I'm going to give this game a bad review because it's that kind of game.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I'm going to say that other people shouldn't play it yeah. because I don't. I'm going to
1: use my platform <laughs> to fuck this game yeah. <laughs> because because it it isn't the kind of game that I want it to be.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's a it's a weird thing. Yeah, uh, do you guys want to hit some questions? Well, let me let me hit Mark of the Ninja real quick. Just real right, sure, it. dude. Uh, so so for those who went familiar, Mark the Ninja, I think came out like three years ago. I don't know it's how old it is, like. I think. This is apparently today is just us catching up on games we haven't played for decades. So but it's been a long couple of months. Yeah. I
1: don't think it's ever going to be the case that we're going to tell anybody about a game that just came out.
0: Yeah. So spoilers, <laughs> uh, Mark of the Ninja on PC, and it's a stealth game. And they did two really interesting things I want to talk about real quick. Wait, so, who, do you know who made this? Uh, Clay. So the same guys who did okay. Don't Starve and uh, Invisible Incorporated. They always is make good Clay stuff. Is it Clay or Clyde? It's Clay. Clive Rhymes Clive. with play, I, I've been told. Um, sure. So the cool thing about Mark of the Ninja is that in most stealth games... The primary mechanic is vision-based, if not the only mechanic being vision-based, where they're like, oh, stay in the dark. Right. Um, in Mark of the Ninja, they, they take it up to multiple senses, basically. So they do, they do vision, and then they do sound, which they use like a little shader thing to show how far out like a sound shoots out from a thing that you interact with. Ooh. So if you like throw your little grappling hook and it clanks onto something, it actually sends out a little sound wave. And if a guard's walking by and his, you know, if his head is in that wave, then he's going to hear the damn thing um, inside an alarm. So there's that. And they also do like smell. So there's these dogs that walk around who they have the same sort of ring structure around them. Um, and they essentially yeah, like, like, if you smell zone, yeah, like if you get in the smell zone, then you're doomed. <laughs> and so a lot of that fun stuff, uh, and then the, the mechanism, They they is
1: this a, like a fast paced game or do you, do you sort of plan out all of your actions? Uh,
0: it's, it's a mix. Like you, okay. you can't plan too far ahead, but you have to, you're, you basically never want to get caught and all your kills are one shot kills. So you, you have to sneak up and then you click to like activate kill mode and then and then it gives you basically like a little tiny quick time event where you have to like, you either drag the mouse left or right, usually. Um, right. And that's it. But for some reason, it's extremely stressful. Like, it doesn't <laughs> need to be more complicated than that because you only have like a second to do it. And so you have to read it and then like drag your damn mouse. And if you like mess it up, then it becomes, you'll still kill the person but it becomes like a messy kill and they're like screaming, which of course oh. sends out these, these lar- <laughs> this large sound wave. It's really neat. Um, huh. so and you- then the dogs smell the murder. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and like, well, you could also, like, you can
0: hide bodies and stuff. Uh, you grab, like you kill someone, you got throw them down like a shooter or something. Um, so the only, my only uh, critique of it which I'll just put out there. So it, it is a stealth game. And stealth games generally are actually, they're, they're sort of a weird mix of a, of a, like, action platformer oftentimes. In this case, it's basically an action platformer slash puzzle game. Um, that's mm-hmm. a, usually what stealth games are. And because you need to figure out kind of where to go to do the thing quietly. And Mark of the Ninja is no different in that regard. And I think the, that sort of the only part where that sort of shows and I think is is a bit less interesting than it could be is in the loop system in the game, which is that, and again, when we talk about loops in games, we talk about uh, the general structure of a underlying structure of a game, which is a loop, which is I'm going to so do the concept of progression. Yeah, basically. I'm going to do an action to get a thing so I can do that action better. So it's, you know, getting more equipment, mm-hmm. getting more skills, whatever else.
1: Leveling up.
0: Leveling up. And Mark of the Ninja is interesting because the. The loop system is is pretty slow, actually. So it wasn't until I think I played for an hour and a half before I got to choose like another sort of skill to be able to do. And I was I had gotten like fireworks and a few other sort of smoke bombs and that sort of thing to use during my uh, runs, but they were they were always given on a like per run basis by the story elements. Um, and so like the the one move that I got to choose in that time was like a like a sort of like spider grip or something like that. So if you're if you're peeking out of a grate underneath the floor and someone walks over it, then you can basically grab them stab them and throw them down the chute. Um, so it's super cool, but it, like, it didn't quite open up very quickly, I guess. Uh, yeah. and then when I was looking at that, I was like, Oh, okay. Because I mean the, the kind of problem they have is that if everything's a one shot kill, you have to create new skills essentially for the, the person to be able to use using those loop structures. And so, right. um, so it, it kind of goes a little slow on that, but other than that, it's, it's really cool. And I, I just, I like the, I really like the overall design of it. And of course, you yeah, actually try
1: to play some stealth game. It, it's one of the, like, they stress me out a lot. Stealth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I kind of avoid them. Um, but, but yeah, but definitely there are a few well-made ones. What's the, what's the other clay one, clay one? The uh,
0: invisible incorporated, which invisible is, Inc., yeah. We watched... so that
1: one. I've played not a lot of, but a but a bit of, and it, mm-hmm. that is that is just a very cool, well designed, interesting
0: game. Yeah. Well, we talked. We actually saw a talk by one of the designers on that at GDC last year, and it was really interesting because he was talking about the the general difficulty of mashing the two genres of stealth and turn based together, because it actually Is incredibly difficult to make. Well, it's also
1: procedural, isn't it? Yeah, it's
0: a procedural turn-based stealth game. Yeah,
1: it's very weird. And so,
0: Mm. like the you end up playing like a really unique experience. I haven't actually gotten to to touch it, but like all the stuff the guy was talking about, as far as how long it took them to figure out how to do it. Trying it out. Yeah, it's very cool. Clay games are generally just great. So they're they're good at what they do. All right, let's do let's do some questions. Yeah, let's do some questions. Uh, so these questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. They are asked by members of the Bscotch ID community, and also uh, some some anonymous folks get it, get their names in the mix as well. Well, and their name
1: is just anonymous. Though. Their
0: name, well, they don't they don't actually get their names in the mix. Now okay. that I think about it, but they get the uh, question in the mix. Yeah, which is what I mean. That's what counts. Let's be real. Mm -hmm. And people can also vote on questions. So we just take the most highly voted questions each week and just work our way. Down the list. Uh, so if you want to get your questions in there or vote for other people's questions, then head on over to podcast.bsketch.net and just scroll down to the voting section.
1: And you know what? If you don't want to, we kind of still wish you would. Yeah, just change your mind so and then just go. Change your mind and go do <laughs> just it. Just go
0: over and do it. Yeah. Uh, so the first question with twelve votes comes from Specchio. Question is. You awake in the middle of the night, da, da, da. startled <laughs> by a noise in the other room. You reach for a procedurally generated weapon from any of your games. Ooh. Which would it be? I would grab. Well, if it's procedurally generated from one of
1: our games, that means it's only from Quadrupus.
0: Well, no, because the Crashhead's weapons also. Procedurally. I think it just kind of means ran like fruit. randomly generated in some way. I would. Yeah. I think I would grab for the mega gong Oh wait here quick question though what
1: do the do you know the stats do you get to choose the stats or are the chats that are the start the stats <laughs> are the chat stats chosen the moment you grab this weapon
0: i think they're chosen the moment you grab it. its procedure okay. generated. so you don't
1: know what's gonna happen you not, grab not you just weapon. gotta grab right. the, you don't know grab the gotcha. shape you
0: want but here's another question can you grab something that's 2d uh, yeah, that's it's very sharp, so you have to wear a glove. This is actually, yeah, it's a, it's like with the, what that that uh, that <laughs> infinite blade or whatever the the you know the super sharp blade from that book. Yeah, it's it's you know zero atoms across. Yes, so it's it's the sharpest oh my god Blade that exists how wait, do you if it's zero that?
1: atoms across does that just mean it doesn't exist
0: at all it doesn't exist in the third dimension which oh, means right. it's as sharp as possible wait but, so it's not so... even made out of it.
1: it's it's made out of two-dimensional atoms
0: yeah so you uh, could, so so pretty much any game any weapon from any one of our games would be sufficient if you would, could pick would it up work yeah but i think i think when going for a weapon the goal should not be to use it it should be to, to scare intimidate. the intruder away. Absolutely, right? Because mm-hmm. you don't want to hurt anybody. That's yeah. that's that violates our "don't be a jerk" policy. Well, plus so, there'd be
1: blood everywhere, and like if you've got carpet, now you've got to yeah, clean it. Yeah, and neck. that
0: also violates our "don't be a jerk" policy. and yeah, you got to explain to the
1: cops why there's a. Half person bleeding all over the place, and, and then when they
0: don't know, believe just, you, then you have to kill the cops, and, uh, yeah, and it then just it just turns really into escalates. a thing. It yeah. turns into like a John Wick sort of situation, <laughs> and seventy bodies Speaking later. Of which,
1: have you guys watched that fucking movie yet?
0: No, we no, need, we need to do that. What is wrong I need, with yeah. you? Watch that movie, yeah. I need to And that.
1: they're making a second one, supposedly. Oh so my
0: god, his dog's gonna get taken again. No, his dog got killed, Sam. Well, whatever. Take yeah, him Sam. to the underworld, same situation. The ghost of his dog gets killed <laughs> by, a, by a ghost, by a ghost mafia. So he
1: has to go back, he has to kill all the ghosts of the people he killed in the previous movie.
0: Man, there's yeah. going to be a lot, of, a lot of ghosts. It's, it's actually, so you know, this. Movie. what you don't know is that Ghostbusters 2 is, ac- or 3, I guess, is actually John Wick 2. They're the same. <laughs> That's right. They're the same movie. It's an incredible mashup. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from Anti-Spleen. Fucking spleens? Also, fuck spleens! Also, <laughs> he hates spleens. He, he maybe like maybe his spleen ruptured. Yeah, maybe it Maybe it almost killed him. I it could it be. It could also be that maybe he is another organ, and there's just a big rivalry going on. Yeah, it's delivered to spleen, that age-old rivalry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anti-Spleen says, does anything exist at the very edge of a biome? How long would it take to get there? This is about Crashlands. Which has very large maps. Uh nothing exists at the edge of the biome except the camera stops. Yeah, so what, what what we can say is technically the biomes are limited in size only because we wanted to keep the like potential file size of a save file small. Uh so you can go so, biomes are 65,000 tiles across.
1: 60, just 60,000.
0: Oh, sorry, 60,000. Yeah. Uh, 60,000 tiles across comes out to something like, I don't know, three high 3 billion of tiles per biome. It would probably take you several hours of running in a straight line. Well, I think when maybe. we
1: calculated it, yeah, the minimum time was like three hours if you ran in a straight line at baseline speed. And did literally nothing else but run in that straight line
0: until you yeah. got to the end. Yeah, if you if you totally loaded up on, uh, like, speed potions or something, you, know, you could probably cut that but down. But also, it depends on which direction you go. If you go north and south, the world is actually shorter. It's a rectangular world, right? Or I guess the snippet yep. that you're able to explore, because the tiles themselves are rectangular. Yeah, so you would want to go up Yeah, so if you, yeah, if you want to get the edge of the map, get some speed boost potions, speed beast potions, and then run either north well, or south. Well, both, actually. Spood beast elixir speed boost potions. Yes, both of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. The, so once you get to the edge, the camera just stops. We just stopped the camera at a certain point And and that's that's the end of it. So <laughs> nothing happens. Uh, sorry.
1: <clears throat> nothing happens yet.
0: We were thinking maybe if you touch the edge of the screen that the world would just start devouring itself from that side. Yeah, then, which would still be pretty amazing. It would be like the nothing from the never yeah. ending. Story. I was actually
1: I was thinking about this. We were talking earlier about we we of course have a piracy issue because all games in the universe do. But we're talking about things that we could do like to screw had, with the pirates. To screw with pirates, right? Because there's a <laughs> there's a there's a sort of a strategy that a lot of game developers employ, which is they sort of seed they seed confusion by putting about copies of their game that are fucked up in some way (laughs) but the more subtly fucked up they are the better because then people don't realize what's what's happening so so we we've kind of we've branded this and we we've looked at a few ways that people are pirating stuff we know that we can detect it if we choose to uh and which means that we could do something about it if we if we wanted to um but the question is you know what do you do because if you just block somebody then they just find a new way around it
0: and that's not as fun as slowly as the, yeah, murdering but, but if, you, if
1: you're if you slowly screw with things so that either they never realize what has happened or they do but now it's too late to like go back right those can both be really interesting and fun. so what if from,
0: we just start deleting tiles
1: see that's what i was thinking i was thinking actually of invoking the nothing which for those of you who haven't seen what was that movie called the never-ending story. The never-ending story, you'll mm-hmm. be a little confused. But the nothing is basically... It's Just think of it as, like, space supplanting the world, right? So, like, the world is being devoured by nothing. By oh. nothing. So, I was thinking, like, what if just, like, we now have a timer where every certain amount of time, we just remove tiles from the edge of now, the world. I
0: think, I think the tricky thing to do would actually be to just make the world flood. Yeah, I was so going to say, so become water? Yeah, so just every pool, just, like, every so often just, just gains grows. and gains another ring of water. <laughs> not not going to lie... That would be easy to do, yeah, mm. and it would actually require fewer resources, right? right. Because those because are actually the, non-memory tiles based tiles. So it'd be like every every hour, as you like are wandering around, the lakes would be just a little bit bigger. And then <laughs> pretty soon, it's just like your ship just kind of on a tiny little you know little island in the, middle <laughs> of the ocean so it would only
1: be yeah all you would see would be the various outposts so
0: if you harvested enough stuff
1: before this happened then you could in principle build bridges to everything but that's super fucking unlikely given how far apart
0: all the things are yeah let's do it okay well although we just are now announcing this publicly so it's sort of
1: although here's a question what's the probability that pirates are listening to this
0: podcast if it's the same probability of them pirating our games I guess about 97% (laughs) 90 to 95% (laughs) pretty good stupid pirates (laughs) <laughs> All right. Next question also comes from Anti Spleen It's Anti Spleen Day here on Coffee with Butterscotch. Question is: Have the sales so far met or exceeded your expectations for uh, once again regarding Crashlands? I think we kind which of we launched a week and a half ago. Yeah, we kind of talked about this last week a little bit as far as just having not much expectations. You know. Yeah, I mean if you yeah. so we we planned for it to do well. Like we did everything that we could to to make it do well, but we expected nothing to happen and, and like or in a sense that we braced ourselves for that. Um so You know, if you don't expect much, then you'll always be pleasantly surprised. I will
1: say, though, that I I think probably the the fairest way to answer this question in a way that that means something, though, is to say, compared to what other games have done. Because we were actually looking at other games, right, and and asking, like, if, if we performed as well as games of similar scope and kind of overall attitude. So take like terraria as an
0: example right
1: what would what would launch look like now of course a lot of this problem is we're the only ones who've launched on three platforms at once with a game you can play the same saves so on like there's, there's other weird and a lot kind of, of these other like games have been
0: it. out for years yeah but not so. for years
1: and so so we didn't really know exactly what to expect but what i i think it is fair to say that uh we did compared again compared to other games that have done well we actually did less well than I expected. G- given the sort of general exuberant attitude that the vast majority of our players have had towards this game. Mm-hmm. And given our position, like, I mean, we were featured on iTunes. Uh, Google Google Play noted that we existed, though I wouldn't say featured us exactly, right? But uh, <laughs> uh, Steam actually, like, put us up on a little pop. Like, we had we had really good market appearance right people people could find the game um and actually in fact with if they weren't looking for it, people would see the game um and so given all of that i actually fa- i actually kind of thought that we did less well than i would have expected given those things mm-hmm. yeah that's but, fair but not not but not we didn't do poorly by any stretch like we did really well actually and and are continuing to do well and, and actually so far it looks like we're less dependent on the launch week than we were expecting. Which yeah. Is yeah. Great.
0: well, Just by point of comparison, when we, when we did flop rocket flop rocket was uh, featured on the front page of iTunes for a week and it was getting 1.5 million downloads or got, it got 1.5 million downloads through that week as a free game. And within two weeks of launch, it was down to 1500 downloads per week. So that's a thousand fold decline. True. Yeah. Um, uh, so, thankfully, that hasn't happened to Crashlands yet. It's uh, declining. Although a lot. we're still only like four or five days out from, from launch. Yeah. So, who yeah. knows what it's going to look like. Who
1: knows what happened? happen. But yeah, so I guess – so, in total, it's, it's hard to know what's going to happen because the numbers – most companies don't publish how their launch went and – And they they don't do it for a lot of reasons, Um, but uh, the little data that we have to go on is is just not enough for us to make an an educated guess about what realistically could happen. And then further, just the the particulars of launching at any given moment, meaning what else is launching at that same time, where sort of the the, kind of the state of the calendar year is. Because if it's post-Christmas, of course, a lot of people have spent a whole bunch of money. And may not be willing to spend money
0: right now. But if it's pre-Christmas, there's a lot of competition. There's a lot
1: of competition. Exactly. So it's like
0: so depending on when you
1: do it, there's all kinds of things <laughs> you can't that can win. really Why, well, they can always... really just
0: dramatically and unpredictably
1: impact yeah. what actually happens.
0: I think I'm a, I I will tack onto that that I think the the launch the power of the launch it was it was all still good for us like it was all within good margins for us to be you know safe for the future, mm-hmm. um, which is very good. But I'm with Adam where I think the given the feature coverage that we Got the the scoop of the or the size of the of the launch was I think maybe not not as not as big of a power function as as I thought perhaps it would be but on that same token the power that we're seeing now in the tail after launch. Uh, even just a couple days out here is is actually much higher than I had thought it would be. So yeah, we
1: thought the drop off would be much more significant.
0: Yeah, that. so that's actually what I'm what I'm most excited about because that means that means that if it's it's the difference between essentially having to work around a boom and bust model of revenue and being able to actually count on money coming in the door every day, which is a yeah. very different situation as far as like trying to plan stuff or scale up the business or whatever else. So I I'm totally happy with where we're at with stuff. Uh, but I think it was interesting, cause it's like scrap mechanic. Uh, which is a really cool game. It's a 3D crafting game where you like build motorized equipment and stuff. Um, so they launched around the same time. We, I think, a day before, two days before. And there's uh, like a end or not a back-end, but there's like some crashlands or some uh, Steam-based service that shows you kind of how many concurrent users are on a thing. And so just out of curiosity, because I, they were also competing uh, sort of with us on for a lot of the YouTubers who play crafting games, right? And yeah. so our stuff was up at the same time and their videos were always getting a ton more views and part of it of course is that like people are just building cool weird shit. Um, so they're naturally going to have more pull but I wanted to see what that effect would actually be then on the difference between their launch day and our launch day. And it was something like fourfold. Like they just sort of crushed us. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> right. And then like I would look at The Witness because uh, my question was okay like John below, this this whole thing has been being piped for months and months and months years and years and years so what does that look like? And that was like an uh, eightfold difference, right? And so it's one of those things where we, I think we, we landed in a good spot for this being our first uh, Steam game. I think I'm personally really happy with how everything worked out on mobile. And I think also at the same time, it was very humbling to look at other games that launched at the same time and see the scale of difference between what they were able to pull off and what we were able to pull off. And I think yeah. that's that's the point where I'm like, okay, so what... We got room to grow. We yeah, got, we have tons we room of yeah, room yeah, to grow.
1: We have stuff to learn and, and so Although I think, I don't know, I think a lot of it has to do with just the kind of game it is yeah absolutely right actually even most of it has to do with that because the fact is that on pc a 2d cartoony crafting sort of focused game just can't compete with a 3d
0: Builder. Crafting game where you yeah.
1: make you make vehicles, right? Right. physics based vehicles. Yes, yeah, right. like like the difference between those things in terms of what people come to PC gaming expecting is enormous. Right. So having having a fourfold difference in launch potency for those things uh, is is not terrible. To me, the, actually, the more interesting part is if you compare like the success of. Of don't starve or Terraria or the myriad of, of
0: right something a little more compared the problem is yeah, that the that data doesn't go back that far anymore because well not, most yeah of the services all we have
1: hard. is cumulative over years yeah is all we can look at which doesn't mean anything so. No. But, but but it is interesting though because those games have a huge like they've sold huge numbers of copies now yeah which means they have a huge fan base and in principle. Crashlands is exactly the kind of game, especially for Terraria players, I would suspect, because uh, since cra- since uh, there's actually a huge amount of difference between Crashlands and Don't Starve, and that they're one's a survival game and one isn't. But uh, people who are into those kinds of games, and there are many, many of them, you think that Crashlands would be their jam.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And and so to me, that was the interesting part. I was like, was trying to figure out, okay, well, given that that we think that that's true, what kind of level of of you know of initial launch week or launch day even success can we get from those particular people? And the problem is we don't even know
0: yeah, who they know are anything. and
1: if they saw it. <laughs> right. right. Uh, and then there's an the additional problem that people who love don't starve are going to see Crashlands as kind of an enemy actually.
0: Yeah. Well, people get pretty tribal about things. They get tribal they, about it. If yeah. they like one thing, they feel like they shouldn't like other things that, you know, are in that same domain or whatever. Yeah, so
1: cause it's somehow kind of
0: infringing on it. So I guess, uh, Long and short of it, anti-spleen is it's kind of a mixed bag. It's a mixed but it's, bag. But it's good. We're good. We're yeah. all happy. It's definitely our best launch yet. By a by good margin. By, by a very big margin. <laughs> by a good margin. Um, still right. a lot of room for improvement. And I also think, you know, with the growth of the community, with b Scotch ID growth and everything, uh, you know, each each game we launch in the future should do better than the last. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's really what matters. Um, okay. So gross. I think that's all the time we have for this week. This has been Coffee with Butterscotch, and thank you all for listening. And once again, if you want to get your questions into next week's podcast, head over to podcast.bscotch.net. We also have forums over at forums.bscotch.net, which are still a little bit on lockdown, uh, but you, there are some places you can post in there. You can and post in the you, podcast section. Yep, and you can also join the Crashlands community over at uh, reddit.com slash r Crashlands. All right, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.